of the Rob the Genius Podcast. Uh, this week, we'll be talking about the uh, NCAA's proposal to allow some athletes to make some money on the side. And, you know, part five and six of the Chicago Bulls Last Dance documentary. And I'll have a little commentary on documentaries in general and you know how they should be taken as you watch them <laughs> and you know gonna get a little personal for a few minutes about you know some feelings and issues during the you know quarantine you know social distancing kind of thing and before I go, I will, you know, talk a little wrestling. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll hit you with some more Jack White, and then we will get this show going. So those are two songs from Jack White. Uh, both of them are from one of his more recent albums. I think it was Blunderbuss, I think was the name of it. First one was uh, Shaken, and the second one was Sixteen Saltines. <coughs> so now uh, I mentioned that this week was going to be heavy sports for this week, and I'm going to get to the NCAA proposal to start, you know, paying. Or not paying, I'm sorry, allowing some athletes to make their own money on the side. You know, but first, you know, a few developments in sports world as far as court, whatever you want to call it. 
Now it looks like NASCAR is going to be starting up this month. Now they're going to have their first race, I think, in a week or two. And, you know, no fans, of course. But, you know, drivers, pit crews, whatever, will be there. And UFC is starting up, I believe. It may have already started up by the time you hear this. And they have some cards scheduled. And from there, I think PGA is going to be starting back up soon. And um, that's it as far as the ones that we know are going to be starting back up. <clears throat> now, baseball is still... I think they're still trying to figure out logistics as far as where they're going to where to house the players. I haven't really heard anything else from them, which is kind of weird because out of all the team sports, they're the ones that they're the one that is the most practical to start early. You know, the, because of how far everybody is from each other on the field, and you know, you just gotta you know keep the, separate the guys who are on the bench, right? I mean, but. I mean, to me, you know, starting that one up sooner than the other ones is, I mean, pretty simple and easy to me anyway. Just, you know, as far as playing. Now, of course, the issue of housing the players is has to be solved because you can't let them go home and come back, obviously. And so you have to put them all up in hotels. But then, you know, you don't really want them commingling with each other during the downtime either. So, I don't know. You know, um, and from what I understand, um, the NHL is going to try and finish their season. They haven't worked it all out yet, but uh, the, from what I heard on SportsCenter, the players have been in self-isolation for like seven weeks. So, you know, it's, again, it's another matter of, you know, where to house them while, the, while they finish the season and do the playoffs so that, you know, they're not getting infected but they do have seem to have the wheels turning towards trying to come back finish the season and then start the next season later you know the one of the big ones now that's left out there is the NBA because like LeBron James in particular has been pushing really hard for them to figure something else so they can get back and finish this season and do playoffs and that's largely because the Lakers were in one of the prime spots to win it all this year, and he does not want to squander an opportunity to get another ring because you don't know what's going to happen next year. Um, you know, Anthony Davis doesn't seem to be a lock to come back after this season, so don't know what the team's going to look like next year. They, this is their shot to get one in L.A. for him, and he does not want to miss that. So he, he wants to come back and finish the season and do the playoffs. Um, they are, from what I heard, they are trying to figure something out. But problem is, you know, they need about 15,000 COVID-19 tests to be able to, to do it. And they'd have to, in order to get 15,000 tests right now, they would have to be kind of jerks and do the, you know, hey, we're rich, pull some strings for us thing. And... They've been self-aware enough so far to understand that that's a bad look right now. So looks like they're not going to do that. So if they, if they resume the season, it'll be July, August, something like that. And then they're looking at 
you know, starting next season in December, which should be fine. Hopefully, we will have turned a corner on this thing by then. But if not, at least, you know, the testing situation will be better and more feasible. So, they're going to try. And then, you know, after that, you know, the big elephant in the room, of course, is the NFL and college football. Because... They both insist that they are going to start their seasons. They're going to have seasons. And, you know, the NFL is reportedly coming up with ideas to start the season late if need be. But there really is no way to do any kind of social distancing in a football game. Not with, you know, 22 guys on the field, a bunch of guys on the sideline, coaches and all that stuff, athletic trainers, doctors, all that stuff. I mean, it's just not doable. And... Right now, before I'm sitting there holding on to the dream right now, and when it comes time to put up or shut up, I'm really afraid that they're going to basically lie to us <laughs> and and you know give us some type of story that that they've you know figured out the magic way to do it safely, <laughs> and I'm not buying it. But I think yeah, when it, actually when it comes time for the rubber to hit the road. That's what they're going to tell us, and they're going to have the games. You know, and while I can kind of make peace with that for pros, because, you know, those are adults making adult decisions, and they're getting compensated for it, at least. But, you know, for the college kids, to me, that that's just terrible. Because those, first of all, they're kids, okay? Most of them are under 21, I mean, yeah, lot, yeah, they're over 18 mostly, but I mean, they're not in, most of them are not in kind of the, <clears throat> they don't have the experience, world experience to really make this kind of decision under the kind of duress they're going to be put under because you heard some of these coaches like Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State Devil Swing make it sound like it's just a moral imperative for them to be on the field playing. And that's going to bring a lot of pressure on kids to make that kind of decision. And the way the NCAA is set up, you know, these kids have no power. A lot of them are going to go out there out of fear of losing their scholarships. You know, and then, you know, maybe the guys who have a NFL future would just, you know, if, if they're bold enough, would just say, no, I'm not playing. But that's not most of the people there. Most of those kids there need their scholarship. They need to play out their eligibility and hope to become a you know big enough prospect to make the pros or to have gotten some type of education or something. So those kids are going to be under duress to get on the field under these kind of conditions. And they don't get anything in return for it either. Right? They're not getting paid. They're not getting, you know, there's no compensation. So kid goes out there, catches COVID-19, drops dead you know, in the hospital or whatever, you know, there's not even, you know, I mean, it's for nothing. You know, and these coaches, particularly those two that ran their mouths, uh, Sweeney and Gundy, you know, it's real, it was real easy for them to say that kind of thing when they don't have to get on the field, when they, you know, they can go out in a mask or, you know, Whatever, right? They're not the ones taking the biggest risk. They're not, you know, they don't, they don't have to be on the field with 
you know, you know, 21 other guys for three hours in close proximity. So to me, I mean, that's just wrong. It's wrong to put those kids in that kind of position, but it's going to happen because, you know, the money's going to talk. You know, the money for the coaches, the TV money, et cetera. That's going to talk. And we got to just hope and pray that things have leveled off to the point where it won't be that big of an issue or that if anyone does get sick that, you know, that they overcome it. But it's just uh, not a good idea, for, in my opinion, to try and do football games, but they're going to. And all we can do is hope for the best for those kids. And with that, I will come back after some music and I will get to this NCAA proposal. Because it's one of those things that sounds real good at first, but when you look beneath the surface, eh, not so much. Anyhow, be right back. Alright, so that was Steady As She Goes. Uh, that was a song from one of Jack White's side projects, a group called The Raconteurs. Uh, they've had three albums, so it's a little more than just a side project at this point. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they had one out last year also. But that's their biggest hit out of all the songs they've done. And uh, definitely, if you're interested in his music at all, then you definitely want to check them out too. And now, let's get on to the Bulls documentary. Uh, they covered basically three topics. You know, kind of stood out this week between the two episodes. Uh, basically, Michael's gambling, the uh, kind of life inside the bubble for Michael Jordan during that time, the celebrity bubble, and then I guess the maybe most controversial. Or it was basically the way that. Michael Jordan has approached different issues over the year and how he's been criticized for not you know being vocal or visible enough on several different things. Now of course the catalyst for that whole discussion or line of criticism was when it was in 1990 he was asked to endorse Harvey Gant, who was uh, running for 
U.S. Senate in North Carolina against Jesse Helms. And I, the thinking was, still is, that, you know, Michael's endorsement could have possibly put Gant over the top. Because out of final tally for the race was like five points so it was pretty close and you know the thinking was that you know maybe Michael's endorsement could have made a difference because you know for one I mean Jesse Helms from what people are saying he wasn't he wasn't a particularly popular senator there uh, and that he mainly got elected you know, because of what people are saying, kind of national security issues, because he was big on that. And, you know, as far as locally, he was, well, he was popular with the racists, but not the general public, or, you know, or I guess the people who weren't racists, right? Or who didn't, who don't think they're racists, I guess, right? So, you know, again, was a, was still a pretty popular figure down there. So the thinking was that, well, if Mike gave his endorsement, maybe that could put Gant over the top. But Michael did not endorse, and he made the, you know, quote, which he says to this day was in jest, and people have backed him up on that, that, you know, Republicans buy sneakers too. And since that day, it had just been hung around his neck that you know the most important thing to him was money over everything else. Now over the years, you know he he has quietly donated to a lot of different things, um, and he did end up donating some money to Gant for that race. <coughs> You know, and um, he spoke out against uh, when they were trying to do one of those bathroom bills in North Carolina. He came out against that. And from what I heard, he opened like some type of clinic down there. And, you know, he came out for and made a speech at that and everything. But, you know, he's not been a make a speech kind of dude when it comes to issues. And, well, really just kind of depends on why why you're not. Is Well, for one, that's just not what everybody does. Right? I, and, and to be honest, we don't want everybody out there making speeches because some people have no business getting behind the microphone and, and talking publicly about anything serious. <laughs> they don't. And maybe he's one, and maybe that's him. I mean, trust me, I mean, a lot of these, you know, rich and famous people who, who we're just dying to get out there and say something, you know, some of them folks do more harm than good if they start talking. <laughs> and, not to mention, ain't no guarantee that they're going to think the same way you do on everything. You know, I mean, the whole get out there and say something that's kind of predicated on them on the assumption that you know they think the same way you do on everything yeah, you don't want to ask somebody to get out there and do it and they get up there and it's oops surprise 
<laughs> you don't want that. You know, but I don't think that's him in this case. Uh, I think at least it seems to me from what we know about him that he probably has the same stances on things as the people who want him to get out there and talk. Yeah, but the question is just, you know, is it wrong to not be out there talking if that's not your deal? Yeah, you know, because we're kind of holding out hope that if he talks, then some otherwise stubborn people might actually listen. But there's no guarantee of that, to be honest. Um, you know, one of the main reasons he has so many people here is that he hasn't said anything to piss anybody off. <laughs> so it's kind of a hypothetical or a imagined level of influence that he has. And I would, I'm willing to bet that that imagined level is not reality. Because, look, I mean, there's a whole lot of people, as soon as you say something they don't want to hear, they got nothing for you anymore. I mean, if you want an example of that, you can look at, you know, uh, President Obama, right? Uh, when he came out and said that, the, you know, Cambridge police acted stupidly when they arrested, you know, Skip Gates, and his support amongst the white voters that's when it started to go down because he said the police acted stupidly and then he you know noted that there's a long history of distrust between law enforcement and you know minorities and those were some pretty benign statements really in the grand scheme of things and that but then just off of saying that a lot of a lot of white folks who were in love with the man started to sour on him just off of that. You know, and then a few years later when he said if I had a son that he would look like Trayvon, the Trayvon Martin who was murdered by George Zimmerman, who got away with it. And, you know, after the verdict was announced, you know, he he was asked about it and he you know, he and he said that it, yeah, it, it bothered him that the way everything went. And he simply said that if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon. Which is not some crazy, ridiculous statement, people. It's not. I mean, you know, black man having a black son with brown skin is not some crazy, ridiculous, you know, notion here, okay? But, again, he says that kind of stuff. And he... You know, and then when some of these Black Lives Matter stuff was going on and everything, he said some, again, some pretty benign statements. I mean, if we're going to be real with it, you know, just pointing out me. I mean, he said that, you know, multiple times that most of the police do their job just fine, but there are some bad apples. And when they step out of bounds, you know, they need to be investigated. And they're found to have possibly committed the crime, they'd be put on trial. Right? I mean, that's not crazy. That's not radical. Okay.
okay and yet you know in some for some people it would you would have thought that you know he got up there and behind the you know the presidential podium and you know put a black power fist or something and he didn't do that so when I mean so jumping back over to Michael Jordan you know the idea that if he would get out here and speak up on stuff particularly you know racial issues that some that he would somehow convince you know some white people who otherwise weren't listening that he the idea that he would convince some of them to listen because he's Michael Jordan is a bit shaky and the reality is he would lose some people he would you know, you know, uh, on the other hand you know his former coach the late great Dean Smith you know came out and endorsed Obama in 2008 and it was fine <laughs> nobody had a thing to say nobody had any beef with, with Dean Smith over that but you know and you know Dean Smith was very vocal on racial issues and you know I mean when he was younger he did things like sit-ins and things like that during the civil rights movement and you know that never tarnished his reputation with anybody but it's a little different when you're black okay because you can go from being from everybody loving you and then some of them folks switch up real fast if you say some things that make them a little uncomfortable so it just brings back the question you know is the risk worth the reward right you know we want him to speak up more but is there is there is there a real reward to be gained from it that justifies you know the hit he would take in popularity yeah and then you know, and looking back at that Senate race, I mean, if he endorsed Gantt still lost, which was definitely a possibility, then what was the point? You know, um, even though, you know, and this is where I will agree with criticizing Mike a little bit, in that particular Senate race, coming out and saying that Jesse Helms is a bad guy, because Jesse Helms was a bad guy, okay? He was a racist. He was a full-throated supporter of segregation okay you know you know Jesse Helms wasn't one of those folks who you know maybe didn't necessarily think he was bad but maybe was a little prejudiced he wasn't like that I mean Jesse Helms was straight up unapologetic racist <laughs> and people knew in 1990 everybody knew so you know to endorse to, Endorse somebody running against him ain't wasn't really that big of a risk. But you know, he felt like it was. So he didn't do it. And then you know, the other counter to wanting him to speak up more is that you know, while being quiet about this stuff, you know, he's hired a bunch a lot of, you know, African Americans in very high positions 
you know, and his since he's a bit of a team owner with the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. So, and then that's the old, you know, age-old debate. Okay, do we want you out? Do we want people with kind of some money and some power? Do we want them throwing bricks at the window? Or do we want them playing the inside game? You know, and people, you know, because, look, I mean, some people think that it's more important that we have folks, some folks playing the inside game than being out there with the, you know, with the demonstrators. Um, you know, I don't know. I think it's a case-by-case basis. You know, I think, you know, some people out there, I think it helps to have some people with some fame and some money and some power out there with the demonstrators, but I do think you also need some people on the inside. But the trick is that the people on the inside have to be doing, have to actually be helping. Right? Now, you can't be out here claiming that you're playing the inside game for us, but then in reality, you're just you're just taking care of yourself. So that's the thing. So, you know, to defend him against the criticism is to basically say that, well, he's playing the inside game and we need him there. And I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, hey man, I, I don't know. Right. But, you know, according to people who know him, he he believes he's doing the right thing. He believes that the way he handles it is right. And, you know, we can't expect everybody who's out there like that to do exactly what we want. You know, we, we can't expect that. Because... Look, I mean, today he's human just like me and you. He's he's an individual just like me and you. And and to be fair to him, he's not O.J. Simpson. You know, O.J. Simpson has has run away from being black ever since he got the opportunity. The first opportunity he got, he has been running away from being black for decades. And Michael is not doing that. So it's fine to be frustrated with him fine to think that he should do things differently yeah but we do got to kind of look at the whole picture and you know judge him accordingly so you know for me again fine to be frustrated fine to ask for more but to say he's doing nothing or you know to lump him in with oj simpson is a bit of bridge too far for me at least i think you know, I think it is. I think it's been doing too much to, to you know, put him in that boat. But anyhow, all right, time for the break. Then we'll come back with some more music, and then we will move along. Oh, 
uh, we're back. Uh, that was Doorbell. That was from uh, one of Jack's albums as part of the White Stripes. I think that was from the album Get Behind Me, Satan. I think that might have been their final album, I believe. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> and um, look, I'm not going to play Seven Nation Army. Okay, sorry. I mean, look, if you're familiar with Jack White and the White Stripes, and you, you've heard Seven Eight Tsunami a million times. Even if you don't know it's their song, you've probably heard it a million times. I've heard it a million times. And it's a great song, I know, but I mean, I, I'm not going to play that voluntarily if I don't have to. So I'm going to get back to the, you know, Bulls documentary after the, this part. But I didn't want to get a little serious here for a minute. Or a few minutes anyway and yeah, it's on the subject of anxiety now personally you know I until recently uh, I've not been one to really have anxiety um, but I can tell you that since you know the kind of whole coronavirus quarantining things has happened um it's become a thing for me now and you know some of it is it's you know it's cabin fever and it's also just the constant uh, self-bombardment that I've done with just coronavirus news all day news 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 and it's all mostly bad news and it's just kind of, you know, the number of cases going up, the number of, you know, deaths going up, and if you're on Twitter like me, you see just constant, just tweets and retweets of, you know, stories about people losing loved ones, and just kind of, and all other kinds of stories about how, you know, this state or that one is starting to open things back up way too early, or... You know, you see tweets and stories about all these different, you know, protests where these idiots, and that's exactly what I will call them, idiots, are out here, you know, protesting state capitals to, you know, get the state open back up so they can go sit in a restaurant or get their nails done or whatever, right? I mean, and these idiots now that, you know, that think that, Putting on a mask is, you know, tyranny, and you know, it's just constant bombardment of these stories. And then, you know, then there are people tweeting out, you know, when the president does the briefings, there are people tweeting out everything he says, all the just the crazy all over the place stuff. And you know, it just it all adds up to this, this kind of feeling of perpetual gloom and doom. And then, you know, and then just all the, you know, you know, all the different stories about people getting infected, you know, and it's, well, this, well, this guy was only 25 and he got infected and this person didn't have any underlying health problems and they got infected and this, that, and the other, you know, and, and it's just constant all day, all day, all day. And, you know, I've made the mistake of, you know, taking all that in every day 
And then, I mean, it, you know, it really just got me, you know, really wound up and, you know, I started just feeling it and, you know, I'm worried about me, worried about my kids and worried about other family members. And now, you know, cause we're all doing the social distancing thing. I don't, you know, I, other than my kids, I don't see, you know, um, my mother or my father or, you know, cousins, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles. I, you know, I don't see any of those folks anymore unless it's like on a, you know, zoom thing or something. Um, I don't, you know, see any of my friends and it's just, I mean, look, I'm sure, I mean, a lot, look, a lot of y'all are probably feeling this too. And it's just one big, just crunch of all this stuff hitting at the same time. And that's along with, you know, all the other normal everyday kind of life issue stuff that all of us have. You know, and it's just a lot. And look, and yeah, I imagine, look, look some of y'all listening to this that, you know, got it 10 times worse than me. So, I mean, if it's getting to me like this, then I can only imagine what it, how it's getting to some of y'all. And, um, you know, these are really just really uncertain times right now. You know, for all of us. You know, for some of us, it's just scary. You know, some of y'all are working in, you know, hospitals or maybe you're a you know, first responder somewhere. You got to be around people every day. Um, yeah, I, it's just a lot. And, you know, I can only tell you that if you're feeling it like I'm feeling it or if you're feeling it worse, um, you're not alone. Um, I think we're all kind of feeling this right now. And yeah, you know, I tell my kids this all the time. It's, it's okay to feel anxious. It's okay to feel scared. Um, again, these are some really unprecedented times here, and it really feels like you know the people who we should be relying on to at least, you know, put, you know, good standards in place and, and to act as if they have everyone's best interests in mind are not doing that. And it kind of feels like you're kind of left up to the whim of, you know, whoever's in charge of your state. And that if, you know, they're not listening to doctors or whatever, then um, then, I mean, feels like you're kind of screwed. Yeah, I know some of y'all, look, some of y'all are living in states where they're trying to open things back up, or they already have opened things back up, and, it, you know, and they're not using a lick of common sense. They're not even, you know, following up the guidelines that have been put out by the, you know, the federal government. You know, they said you should have 
like 14 straight days of, you know, of, you know decrease in infections or hospitalizations or something. And, you know, some of these states don't have, haven't had two consecutive days of that. And they're already, you know, opening back up because, you know, we got to save the economy, you know, and all of that. And, um, you know, right now, I mean, if, you know, I, it, if you feel like your very life is in the hands of people who either don't know what they're doing or who don't give a crap about you, and I mean above and beyond, you know, what, what we normally say about politicians, um, well, you know, if, if that's if you're feeling that way, you know, don't feel guilty on top of feeling the anxiety. Don't feel guilty for feeling that way. Because with everything that's going on, it's, you know, perfectly reasonable to have those feelings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've begun just, you know, doing the whole breathing thing. Um, I ended up, you know, going to a urgent care and getting checked out just, you know, because you know, I'd had a couple of what, you know, by description would be panic attacks couple of days in a row um you know about a week and a half ago so i went ahead to the you know urgent care and got checked out because i just wanted to make sure it wasn't something else and you know it turned out that you know they agreed and it wasn't anything more than that so now you know i'm doing the breathing exercises and i'm doing stuff that I'm just trying not to be sitting here thinking about it all the time I don't always succeed, but I try to, and yeah, you know, I have felt better overall since then. You know, but if you're out there and you know you're kind of dealing with the same thing or worse, um, I understand. I really do. And you know, this isn't easy. These are just weird, scary times. You know, and um. They just are. You know, so you know, my hopes and prayers are with all of us that we get through this. And for those of y'all who've lost somebody, you know, I'm sorry. I wish that we wouldn't have been put in this situation. And I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry that you won't be able to have a proper ceremony for them because of what's going on. And, uh, you know, I'm, look, I don't have any magic words for you. I really don't. So I'm not going to, you know, try to hit you with a bunch of happy talk or something, you know, to make you feel better. And I'm not going to do that to you. Because I don't have that in, you know, I don't have anything to say. Really, they can make everything magically all better. But I can tell you that, uh, you know, the feeling is, the feelings you might be having are perfectly understandable. Because I've been having them too.
And with that, all right, um, gonna hit you with some more music. Then we'll get back to the get back to the basketball stuff. How about we do that? Look, uh, you know, I always close out by saying I love you guys, but you know, I'm gonna say it right now too. You know, um, all you out there listening to this, you know, you know, um, love you guys and. We're gonna get through. We're gonna hang on to that and we're gonna we're gonna get through. That was Icky Thump from the White Stripes album of the same name, and I believe that was their last album together. So, I think they did six albums as a group or duo, and before you know, Jack moved on and started doing his own thing. Now, getting back to the documentary here, <clears throat> the other thing I really wanted to get to was, you know, the way they just kind of showed life inside the bubble and it's one of those things that that's kind of like the downside to being a celebrity is that you have to be on 24-7 right uh, or at least at any point anytime where you're in any type of public setting you have to be on right you can't be you know you can't snap at anybody you can't act out <clears throat> you have to put aside however you're feeling whatever kind of day you're having and basically you're performing still so I mean with you know Mike they showed him like before and after games meeting with you know sick kids right you can't go up to a, a sick kid who was you know this is the thing they've always wanted to do you know to meet Michael Jordan you can't go up there and act foul because you're having a bad day, right? This is their one, you know, this is their one and maybe only chance, right, to, you know, to do this. So you got to go, you got to be on, you got to light up the room, you know, you got to, you know, warm their spirits a bit and all that kind of thing. And you have to put aside... You know, whatever it is you're dealing with, you know, to, to take care of them for that time. So he's doing that before and after games. 
you know, they do a media before and after games, and you know, we sometimes reporters ask good questions, sometimes sometimes ask stupid questions. But you gotta handle all of that. You know, you gotta you know, you got business meetings, you got just random times when you're seen out and about and now you gotta smile for the camera, right? You know you might not feel like doing it. <clears throat> and then And kind of, you know, another thing was, this is where kind of his gambling came into play, was that, you know, that's something where, you know, if it's me or you, and we're, you know, gambling on the golf course or something, right? I mean, as long as our, nobody cares, you know, except, you know, our families, but as long as we're not getting in trouble with, you know, with some, you know, bad dudes who might want to hurt us or something, or as long as we're not, you know, gambling away the electric bill or the mortgage or rent or whatever. Right, nobody cares. But, you know, you're Michael Jordan and you're doing that. Or any famous person and, you know, you and, you know, word gets out that that's what you're doing. People look at that a little different. So it's just, you know, you. Even when, you know, you do some charitable thing, right? There are people thinking you got ulterior motives. Or like I was saying before, there, there are people who think that what you're doing is not enough. And, you know, we we don't allow these folks to be human. <coughs> now, that's, you know, like they shouldn't be out here, you know, committing felonies or whatever. But, you know, but... um. You know, we don't allow these folks to have a bad day. We don't allow them to react the way you and I would to a lot of different things. Even though they got to deal with all that. They got friends who get sick. They got parents who get sick. You know, Michael's father was killed. Um, You know, he had to deal with that. You know. Um, they got workplace drama just like we got workplace drama, right? I mean, his his coworkers were teammates, you know, coaches, trainers, whatever, right? And, you know, there were times where, you know, there was beef between players on the same team. You know, look, hey, you may not get along with all your coworkers, right? And I know that you and I, you and I both don't like everybody that works in the same building with us. And they don't all like us either. But for us, it's not a big deal. But when you're out there in the public eye, you know, and you, know, you don't get along with a teammate, or you don't like a teammate, teammate doesn't like you, or if you're in a band on your bandmates, or you know, whatever, it's a big story. You know, and you get in people, you get people asking you about it, asking them about it, right? Um, so, you know, just normal everyday stuff that me and you deal with. You know they don't they don't get they don't get to handle it the way me and you get to handle it, right? And I mean that's part of the price of fame. Now don't get me wrong. Um, you know these folks they they t- you know they they accept the money, they accept the spotlight, they accept the perks. <clears throat> so like it's not all misery for them. But it's a trade off. But I think. What you and I need to not do is assume 
that you know the trade-off is always good for them. You know, and and look, not they would go back to being poor, but or just go back to being not rich. Not that they would, not that they would go back to that, but you know, you or I don't necessarily need to be so eager to want to jump in their shoes either. You know, because hey, that stuff ain't always cracked up to be. It really isn't. I mean, look, when it's good, it's really good. But when it's not, <laughs> when it's bad, it's bad. And it's, it's bad in public. Right? There's no something to think of. Think about, you know, how, um, you know, the reason some, you know, some of those, there's a reason a lot of performers just really straight up keep to themselves and keep everything close to the vest and don't, are not just not out here you know, the way that <clears throat> sometimes we think they should be. Because that, I mean, it comes with a price. It comes with a bigger price and a bigger cost than it does for me and you. And, you know, I mean, as far as what we and you should expect, look, um, you know, don't be jerks. You know, treat the people around you well. Be the best person you can. And, you know, as far as tackling bigger issues and bigger things, you know, I'd say go where you feel led to go, you know, where you feel inspired to go. You know, I, I can't fault you for not pursuing something that doesn't really speak to you. But if something does, and you just kind of stop yourself from getting in it, you know, yeah, I might look at you a little funny. But, you know, I mean, as far as how we look at these folks, I mean, it's, it's bad. It's a bad idea to put them on this pedestal and act like they can do no wrong. I mean, we're bound to be disappointed eventually. And, you know, it's also bad to hold them to some impossible level of scrutiny. You know, that, you know, Look, no matter how much money they're making, they're still people, right? They're still human beings. Still imperfect, they're still flawed, whatever, right? So, it's fine to have certain expectations. But we probably need to lighten up just a little bit, <laughs> you know? That's what I think anyway. All right. Time to move on. Time for some more music. And then, next topic.
right, we're back, and I'm outside with birds right now, <laughs> as you might hear. But uh, that was "Fell in Love with a Girl." That was another White Stripes tune off of their third album called "White Blood Cells." Interesting name. <laughs> but uh, anyway, this week was, you know, well, May Fourth was on. Monday of this week, and what does that matter? Well, that's kind of the unofficial Star Wars day, you know, where they <coughs> announce stuff, you know, I think a couple of movies have been released on that day, and this year, we found out, well, first of all, this year, There were a couple of additions to Disney Plus. You know, Disney owns all the Star Wars stuff now. So, you know, Episode 9, Rise of Skywalker, got put on Disney Plus. And also, that was the, uh, the last episode of the Clone Wars you know, animated series was released also. So I watched that, and it was... The last four episodes of that were just really riveting, and my goodness, uh, perfect way to end that series. I mean, it was, you know, mostly good. I mean, there were, you know, a good bit of episodes throughout the eight seasons that kind of came off like, you know, filler, you know, but it was all good from start to finish. And, you know, for those of you who wanted, you know, extra context and whatnot to or some extra depth to what was going on during the prequels then that it definitely provided it and you know it added some character depth to a few people introduced a couple of you know or what now great characters in the Star Wars lore uh, you know Ahsoka Tano and Captain Rex But I guess what really kind of jumped out to me this particular May 4th were there just some quotes I saw from George Lucas that were, you know, tweeted out by some people. And one of them really uh, was, you know, he was, this was from 1981. And he was just talking about the kind of, you know, debate or discussion that was going on even back then about this stuff that, you know, you got some people saying it's the greatest thing in the world and you got some people saying that it's just, you know, disposable entertainment or whatever. And he essentially, you know, his answer to all that was, you know, that don't fall too far into either camp really you know don't don't get bogged down in all this minutia trying to prove that it's you know the greatest thing ever and you know don't get so full of yourself or snobby about things that you know, you're looking down on it all the time either you know just look at it as a fun movie it was really cool that you enjoyed and just kind of leave it there 
and you know come back to it as you see fit and to me that's just a real lesson to learn with whatever it is you're doing for entertainment right something very simple brought you to it whatever it is whether it's books tv movies comic books video games pro wrestling uh sports whatever right you probably weren't hooked by big elaborate detailed plots and this that and the other I know I wasn't. And Star Wars is a very simple story. And you know, my dad took me to see the you know very first Star Wars movie back when I was like three years old. And you know, I didn't know all the plot points and what, what this meant, what that meant and everything. I mean I could tell you what happened. Right? Yeah, I can tell you that you know, Luke was on the desert planet and he found the droids and they ran into Obi-Wan Kenobi and they met Han Solo and they, you know, got sucked into the Death Star and they rescued Princess Leia who had already gotten captured herself. And then, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader had a lightsaber fight. Darth Vader killed him. Luke and Han and Leia and the droids and Chewbacca escaped the Death Star. And at the end of the movie, Luke was an X-Wing fighter. And on a mission to blow up the Death Star, Darth Vader almost got him. Han Solo saved him. And they blew up the Death Star and saved the day. Right? I mean, even at three years old, I could tell you all of that. And, you know, I wasn't harping on details or whatever and so the story was pretty simple there were some really cool characters Luke, Han, Leia, the droids, Darth Vader you know they told you who the good guys and the bad guys were and you know there were cool spaceships and lightsabers and laser guns and you know I mean it was that simple and you know 40 some years later you know I mean the way I found to keep enjoying that stuff is to keep it simple you know stick to the simple stuff that drew you in uh, you know I became a fan of Batman because there were reruns of the old Adam West show on TV and you know the Batmobile was cool the gadgets were cool uh, the whole when they showed like the BAM POW on the screen when they were fighting the bad guys that was really cool and you know the villains were all kind of just out there and over the top you know like the Joker and the Penguin and all of that right and that's all it really was, right? You know, I didn't, it wasn't until later that I, you know, picked up on kind of the in-jokes and that 
and that it was actually, you know, uh, basically a comedy show more than a serious kind of superhero kind of thing. But, I mean, those are things that brought me in. I didn't even learn, you know, for a long time about, you know, the whole backstory with Bruce Wayne's parents being killed and how it motivated him and all of that stuff, right? I, you know, I didn't know all that back then. And it didn't matter, right? So, again, 40 years later, you know, you still, still enjoy that stuff by sticking to the simple things. I just feel like, you know, with too many things, we've just kind of lost the plot, really. And, it's, you know, and this particularly pertains to, you know, Star Wars fandom, but also, you know, the wrestling fandom that I encounter on social media. And it's like, you know, there's too much trying to write the stories for yourself and being mad that, people writing the stories don't write the ones you want or don't write it the way you want it um, you know there's too much trying to turn these things into these you know deep existential you know masterpiece theater kind of things and I don't know it kind of drags it all down to me And I was like, you know, we have access to all this information about the goings on and behind the scenes and all of this stuff. And unfortunately, we, you know, you know, we we get just enough information to make us mad. <laughs> like, you know, we don't get enough information to really make an actual informed decision. We just we, we get enough information to make hot takes and then get mad about stuff. So as a fan of you know a bunch of different things, uh, keep it simple. You know, just keep it simple. Well, you know, that's my challenge to all of you guys. Keep it simple. Stick to the stuff that you know brought you in in the first place. If it was cool costumes and you know lasers and you know cool athletic feats and overall ridiculousness of things stick to that right don't don't get caught up with the other stuff you know don't get caught up you know holding the microscope up to everything because we weren't meant to do that We weren't meant to have these, you know, big ass discussions about the, the logic of a man or woman putting on a you know, pair of, sort of tights or some, you know, body armor and going out in the street to fight criminals. <laughs> right? I mean, that's not a thing that that makes sense when you actually try to make if you try to subject it to logic or scrutiny. Right? I mean, 
the whole premise of professional wrestling is, you know, nonsensical if you try to really analyze it. And, you know, and that's not to say you should never, you know, think beyond the surface. No, but if digging deeper and deeper and going through every little nook and cranny and trying to figure out everything and to the point where you end up wanting things to be a very specific way and if it doesn't happen now you're mad um like that's no way to be a fan of anything not in my book anyway not me And ultimately, we, you know, we do, we, we get into these things to get away from the things in life that we can't escape, <laughs> right? So, turning those and just to another thing to be miserable about, miserable about, you know, in my opinion, that's no way to go. That's no way to live. That's no way to enjoy anything. what do you do you know now that so much of this stuff is just out there like social media and internet and all that um if there's something you like to do like to read like to play like to watch but the online you know discourse is souring and making you sour on that thing then I would tell you cut out the online discourse. <laughs> really. That's what I would do. Or at least, you know, you have to decide how you're going to engage with the online discourse. Because if you end up, you know, dropping the thing that you used to love and going on and try to find something else, well, the online discourse ain't much better for that other stuff either. You know, unless you, again, unless you tailor it to, oh, unless you find a way to tailor it so that it, it doesn't bring you down. And I'm saying that is, that's true. I found that in Wrestling fandom, Star Wars fandom, comic book fandom. And you're in a dog barking. I'm walking by a house with a dog barking. <laughs> That's what happens when you record while you're walking outside in the morning. But, uh, yeah. I mean, there's poisonous and toxic and depressing online discourse and darn near every fandom of everything and you either got to not engage with it at all or you have to tailor it to you have to you know tailor, tailor your interactions so that it doesn't bring you down and you know Stay out of certain forums. Don't talk to certain people. You know, mute 
block whoever you have to. No, I don't owe you. I don't owe you my attention. I don't owe you a follow. I don't owe you a response. Uh, you can get mad about me muting and blocking you all you want. I don't care. You know, if you're hindering my enjoyment, then you gotta go. Simplest way to put it for me. At the end of the day, if, hey, if my relationship with you is that I read stuff you say on Twitter, then you know, if all the stuff you're saying ain't helping me, then I don't need you. You know, as we go through life, just enjoy as much stuff as you can. Get as much enjoyment out of things as you can. Because you know, the more challenging parts of life, things you can't run from and things you have to deal with. And you know, part of not letting those things overcome you is finding other things that make you happy. So if the things that make you happy get poisoned, then what do you got? So, as far as you know, my being a fan of stuff, you know, when it comes to talking with people, interacting with people, or whatever, um, my first rule is, you know, you're not gonna make me not like the stuff that I like. <laughs> All right, if that's what. You know, if I come to the conclusion that that's what you're doing, then I'm cutting you out. <clears throat> Better way to live, in my opinion. Just, I mean, well, unless you, I mean, unless you just happen, unless you like, you know, toxic discourse and all that kind of stuff. I mean, if you like that kind of stuff, then you know, whatever. But that ain't me. So, good luck with that. <laughs> All right, so, with that being said, and you hear the birds, the birds are out here this morning. They're really out here now. So, I'm going to end this segment, then hit you another song or two, and we'll get out of here.
All right, so that was Lazaretto. That was one of uh, Jack White's solo songs off of the album of the same name. And, well, we have reached that time where it is time to say goodbye for this week. Um, actually, I have some stuff already lined up for next week that I want to get to that I didn't, didn't get to this week. And that's, uh, you know, the, there was a proposal by the NCAA to allow some of the players there to make some money on the side. I want to talk about that a little bit. Didn't have time for it this week, so I think I'm going to get to that next week. And more of the Bulls documentary and whatever else I figure out between now and then. Maybe get back to a little wrestling because I have money in the bank. The WWE pay-per-view is... Sunday, maybe talk a little bit about that. But before I go, um, first, oh, if you're uh, interested, there's a nice little documentary that uh, Jack White was a part of called It Might Get Loud. Uh, it's about 10 years old now, maybe. Yeah. But uh, it was a documentary with uh, him. The Edge from U2 and uh, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin and, you know, talking about their careers and how they learn how to play guitar and their influences and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's really good. Uh, highly recommend it. It's definitely worth checking out. If you want to see some more about, you know, Jack and his music and all that kind of thing. But, um, you know, lastly, you know, see, um, a lot more of these states are starting to open things back up. You know, and uh, here where I live, they open up some of the outdoor stuff. And, well, my advice to you is the same as it's always been, to stay home, stay safe. I know it is safer being around people outside and indoors, as long as you're not all, you know, clustered up on each other. Being indoors with a bunch of people is definitely a no-go right now. It should be a no-go for you right now. And, you know, you should keep wearing your masks if you're going indoors anywhere. Like if you're going to the store or, you know, you're going to a doctor's office or you're, you're going to any kind of place where you're going to be indoors with people you should absolutely wear your mask. Don't stop doing that. If, look, if they don't require you to wear one where you are, you should wear one anyway. This is far from being over. Um, don't let, you know, happy talk you might be seeing on the news from, you know, governors, mayors, or even the president. Don't let any of that convince you into thinking that where in the clear or getting close to being in the clear that is not true okay so you know I mean one of the kind of scary things about all this is that it really seems like our government officials are not are largely not concerned about the health right you know the public health issue here is they are about getting businesses open back up so the, and and you know people 
crying about not being able to go here or there. Um, you know, look, we're not we're not even close to being out of the woods here. And you know, you need to conduct yourself accordingly. And we may not really, we may not be out of the woods until you know next year. All right, so be prepared. And I would suggest if you've gotten into a routine of, you know, kind of a lockdown routine, well, I'm going to maintain mine. I'm not changing mine up anytime soon. I would suggest you don't change yours up either. Okay, seriously, don't. And with that, uh, I will say farewell for this week. Uh, next week, uh, one more thing, um, we will go back, uh, as far as the music, next week we will go back to the hip-hop from, you know, 90s, and it will be featuring Naughty by Nature. That was a special request by my listeners from day one, uh, Don't Step to Run, that's his Twitter handle, so I will be answering his request next week, and we'll be featuring Naughty by Nature. If you've never heard them, then I, you're in for a treat. If you have, this is, well, a chance to hear them again. <laughs> Anyhow, till then, again, stay home, stay safe, take care of yourself, take care of each other. God bless you guys. Love you. Later. Cause I know there's nothing